we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Um, I was sitting back where I normally sit, right next to that post in the middle of the week a few weeks ago. And I, I was reading scripture and, and I read of this, this moment in Jesus' life where this guy came up with a deformed hand. Okay, and Jesus healed him of that deformity. He's had it his whole life. Jesus healed him of that. And I started to catch on. There's so many times in scripture where Jesus would do something like that. And people were filled with wonder and and awe of who Jesus was and trying to figure that out. They listened to what he had to say. And they're going, man, this this is powerful stuff. And they lean in. But every, but every time he'd do that, there was always some other people. Most of the time, they're religious leaders. They would sit there as well. And, just, and instead of letting it sink in, they just challenged him. Well, you shouldn't have healed him on a Sabbath because you're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So what are you doing? And I, and I thought about it from Jesus' perspective. How at night, he had to sit there and go, yeah, Frank and Joe are back again. You, ha- you know we know him by name. We for, kind of forget that. Jesus knew all these people and he knew those leaders that were challenging him all the time. He's going, they're back again and they're not letting it sink in. When will they let all of what I'm doing sink in? When will they let my love for them sink in? Now, we looked at that and I looked at that and I'm going, it's remarkable that these people were sitting in a room and they didn't see the Son of God and the power and the love of of the Son of God. It's remarkable. But it's also relatable, isn't it? Don't we sometimes do that? Don't we sometimes come in here and we believe that through Jesus' Holy Spirit, that that Jesus' presence is in this room? And aren't there times where we sometimes listen to something we just go, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to apply that. Now, I'm not calling you all Pharisees. I'm right there with you, right? There's just times and especially subjects that we will listen to and we'll just go, it's it sounds good, but I just don't know if I'm going to actually apply that to my life. I feel like that this subject that we've been in is kind of like that. That we've been in this subject around forgiveness. And ever since Easter, we're talking about what God has done in forgiving us and how he's challenged us then that as I have forgiven you, I need you to forgive other people. And so we, we, we've been talking about the need for us to forgive. We talked about it in, in real hard situations, forgiving family how hard that can be, forgiving the church and how much church hurt there's been and how do you forgive the church? And then John last week gave, I think one of the best sermons that I've heard in this building when he talked about forgiving. I'm seriously, you guys. I mean, it was just, if you haven't listened to it, go online and listen to it because he's, I mean, he talked about forgiving. You got to forgive yourself and how hard that is to forgive yourself. And I'm sitting there going, how do I wrap this up? And I just thought, ah, powerful words, but will we apply them? Do we actually do it? Because what we're talking about is how in a lot of ways we can get pretty locked up. We can get, we, the, the, the things that we let remain under the surface can lock us up and, 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 and we get kind of bound by that kind of lack of forgiveness. And Jesus is saying, man, I've given you the key. I've given you the key to unlock those things that continue to 
dog us over time. I've given you this key, and that key is forgiveness. Will you utilize it? Will you grab hold of it? Will you actually turn and, and unlock the lock? And I think for many of us, we know it's there, but we say, I don't know. I don't know about this one. And so what do we do with it? We open up that junk drawer that most of you guys have in your house, and we have that little tin, you know, in your junk drawer, and one of them is a tin that is paper clips, and the other tin is a bunch of useless keys, right? Am I, are we the only ones that, I mean, when our house went down on the fire, we found a little tin in, the, in all the rubble. We found a little tin, and we're going, oh my gosh, could this be Jackie's wedding ring? We opened it up, useless keys. That's all that was in there, a bunch of useless keys. That's where we put it. And we say, I know I'm supposed to forgive. And it sounds like the right thing to do. But in this situation, I don't think I'm going to. And we, and we just set it in there. Maybe someday I'll, I'll find it and I'll figure out what that one's for. Right? Am I the only one that, that, that thinks that way about it sometimes with forgiveness? I know I'm not the only one because I went home to Spokane to visit my grandkids uh, last week and I sat down with my parents and my brother and I told them about what we've been talking about. And they each, they didn't have to think for a very long time. They didn't have to go, well, I wonder if that applies to me. They're just going, oh yeah, I got it. I got this grudge that I'm still holding against the boss. I got this hurt that I still have around that job. I got this, this thing, this disappointment that I have around a board that I sat on and it went sideways. I still got an issue with that church that I served in, in behind the scenes and I saw what happened behind the scenes and I didn't like it. And they're going, yeah, each one of them had something that they're saying, yeah, that's, that's part of my life. What are we doing? Why is it that so many of us still have that? I think that part of it is that, is that some of us will say, I don't need to forgive. Others will say, I don't want to forgive. But some will say, some will say, I don't, I don't need to forgive. They'll, they'll say that, that we, we will say that we've learned, we've learned how to manage our life around the hurt and around the anger and around the wounds. We've managed our life around it. We say it was a long time ago. We say, I don't see that person anymore. It was just a fraction of my life. Maybe it was one twentieth of my life and I'm learning how to live on the 1920th that is still healthy. And that was just one twentieth that I buried, so I don't need to forgive. I don't want to dig up that wound again. It was a wound and I don't want to dig it up again. And so we say, I don't need to forgive it. Some of us will, will say that, but then here's what happens. It just surfaces, right? At times you don't even want it to surface. It does. It mostly surfaces through that conversation, the imaginary conversation that you have in your head of going, oh, I can't, I just, I wish I had one more chance to say this. You know, you're driving into Boulder and you've got that extra 15 minutes. And as you're driving in, you're just kind of, you start into this conversation in your head. And man, aren't we, aren't we good at that conversation? We're so articulate in that conversation. We're able to say things that we're going, I'd never be able to say that if this was real. But man, in this conversation, I just said that perfectly. In that, in that imaginary conversation, we have a ton of people that are supporting us, right? You just have this, this band of people around you going, you're right, and keep saying it like that. And then we always have that one mic drop moment in that imaginary conversation going, I, I hit that one, home run there. That's the word, that's the, that's the sentence that I'm gonna write down because someday I'm gonna actually say that. We have that conversation. 
And what's weird about it is in the end, when we finished it and we're in the boulder, there's a party that loves it. Gosh, that was good. But then there's a part of us that's going, why did I just waste 20 more minutes of my life on something that I successfully buried or we thought we successfully buried? See, the things that we still hold on to, they surface. And most of the time at the most inopportune times when we are most vulnerable, they surface. And then there's those feelings of anger and sadness and bitterness and frustration that just gets resurfaced. And what do we do? We figure out how to get it back down into that 120th spot and hope it doesn't come back again. Or if it does, I'll just have another good 20 minute imaginary conversation. See, some of us are in that place. We don't need to. Others of us are saying, I don't want to forgive. That's when we have had some serious stuff happen where we're just going, I, I don't want to forgive that. This is the one I was, I, somebody else had control and now I get control. And so I don't want to forgive. It's a close friend that gossiped or cheated you out of money. It's a spouse that lived in a, a secret life and crushed you. Is one or both of your parents that you've, that's, that's deeply disappointed you. You're reeling in pain from being trampled by someone that you loved and trusted. It's a boss that so beat you down. It's a teacher or it's a friend that just, just so betrayed you. And we're saying in those moments, I don't want to forgive because, because that person, they owe me. They, they owe me. They have stolen something from me. They got to repay that. That is a debt. And, and, and I, if I let that go, I don't get repaid anything. I don't want to let that go. That's why we always say, you, you know, you, that person owes me an apology. Or that person owes me an explanation. Or, or they, they owe me the respect they didn't give or the sensitivity they didn't show me or they owe me the recognition I deserve. They owe me for what's been stolen from me. And you're telling me to let that go? You're telling me to let them off the hook? See, we're talking about the stuff that we've either stuffed away or the stuff that we don't want to let go of. What do we do? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at some scripture, you guys, and, and, and I want to pray over this scripture that we're going to talk to because the Bible tells us the scripture is a double-edged sword that can get past all of those things I just described and get right to our hearts. And we got to pray because if it's just me standing up here saying, so we need to, and we need to stop uh, unforgiveness and we got to forgive, you go, okay, whatever. But this is scripture that can get past all of that right to our hearts because Jesus wants to do some work on our hearts. So God, I'm going to pray that this would, that this scripture would be that double-edged sword that would get past all the things that we're holding on to and get right to the heart of it because I know you have something different in store for us. So God, may your words speak directly to our hearts, even through our pride, even through our disappointment, our anger, our sadness, get, get through that and speak to our hearts, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. 
There was a point that Jesus was, um, was talking to a group of people and he was saying, he was saying, you know, talking to him about, about issues of confronting somebody and you confront individually and then you confront in group of three and then you confront within the church. He was talking about ways that we can confront each other. And, and Peter, you can picture him just sitting back listening to it all, but you know something was bothering him, okay? And so when, when Jesus was done with that, Peter's coming to him and he's going, man, Jesus, I gotta, I gotta talk to you about something. And, and you know, you, you, we just come just you and me and and so Peter comes to, Peter and Jesus are talking and he says, Jesus, how many times do I gotta, gotta forgive this guy? The things that he's done to me, how many times do I gotta do this? I mean, you know, I know in the Old Testament it says three times, but what if I doubled that and added one? What if, what if it's seven times? What if, I, what if I forgave him seven? On the eighth one, am I done? I gave him all that I could. Am I done at that point? And now just go, okay, I, I did that. And now I can go on and bury that one. Well, what Peter is bringing to Jesus is exactly what John talked about last week. He's talking about transactional versus transformational. He's bringing to Jesus a transactional question. How many times do I gotta do this? to check the box that I did what you told me to do and then I can bury it. How many times do I do that? And Jesus is going, I'm not interested in transactional response to anything that I do. I'm not just giving you something to do because you're supposed to. I wanna give something for you to do because it's transformational on your heart. And so Jesus says back to him, you know what? Not seven times, but how about 70 times seven? How about that? Now, all of you that are doing your math right now, and I know you've got some math people in here going 70 times, seven, 490, that's 490 times. I'm on 212 of forgiving my daughter. And so I'm close. You're going back transactional again. What Jesus is saying is it's impossible to forgive enough. You just keep going. You keep doing this. No matter what, we're going to keep forgiving. And then, and then he started on a story. And he says, he, he says, he says, now, 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 therefore, the kingdom, and, and he starts in the story. Now, now, Peter's probably going, I just asked you a simple question. Now you're going to give one of those parables that you do. You're going to start talking to me about building a house on a rock or something. And yes, that's what he did. He started on this story. He says, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Now I'm going to stop right there for a second because I always want to point this out to everybody. Remember, when he says the kingdom of heaven, anytime he says that, remember, he's talking about, I've said this before, when he, when he talked about the, the, the Lord's prayer, he says, you know, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so whenever he says the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, this is the way God has set it up and I want you to unearth it. That's what we always say. I want you to unearth it here. I want what God has set up to, to, I want it to be reflected on this earth, okay? And so he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought, into, brought in who owed him millions of dollars. I mean, in some translations, it's billions of dollars. It's basically an amount that he'd never be able to pay. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. See, it's his life. It's all of his life to pay that debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. Now the translation says filled with grace and mercy for him. Remember this, you guys. Mercy 
is what we, what, what we deserve, but, but it's, not, it's not given to us. He deserves to be punished and said it's, that punishment is, is held back. Grace is a gift that God has given to us instead of what we deserve. And so grace is this forgiveness of his debt. He didn't deserve that, but he got that gift anyway. And he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded, just like the, just like the other guy said to, to the king. He said, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Now, Peter, obviously, looks at that and is going, oh, yeah, I get it. I know, I know. That's what you've done for me. And now you're telling me that I got to do that for somebody else. So he's getting it. Now, this next part, this last little bit of this story is a part that I wish I didn't have to read. Man, there are parts of the Bible that you just go, oh, yuck, really? And this is one of those parts you're just going, really, that's the way you're going to end the story? He said, Jesus says this, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You can picture Peter just going, I wish they wouldn't have asked the question. I just wish I would have just gone, I, I, I could have just kept going and maybe tried to get to seven. But Jesus is now saying, man, you're going to have to deal with my father if you choose to hold this against your brother or sister. That is, see, a lot of times we'll look at scripture and we'll say, we'll say, that's a good suggestion, Lord. And I'll do that if I want to, or maybe I'll just put the key in the drawer. But God's saying, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. Now, when God gives us a command, we, we got to stop thinking, or at least for me, I got to stop thinking like my, my kind of my Catholic roots that I have of stop thinking that God is up there just trying to oppress us. He so loves us that when he gives a command, he's going, I'm doing this because I love you this much. I, because I so love you that I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, it's, it's like a parent with a kid that's going, I'm going to have to give you this punishment. I hate it that I do, but I'm going to because I love you that much. And that's what God's looking at us going, I can't have you hold this. This is why in the Lord's prayer, when he says, uh, you know, uh, uh, our father who art in heaven, how you be, hallowed be thy name. In that Lord's prayer, he gave that 2,000 years ago. It was going to be repeated by millions of people over 2,000 years. He gave some of the most important things in that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is most important. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're supposed to love the way God is telling us to love. And that's, that's so important. Give us this day our daily bread. It's saying every single thing that we have in our life is going to come from the Lord and he will provide the necessary things for us. And then, lead us not into, now, now growing up Catholic, and you guys that are Catholic, you know, lead, lead us not into, into temptation. No, no, not lead us not into temptation. Now, for it, forgive us our 
trespasses. So that's what we used to say. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespassed against us. And as a kid, I had no idea what that meant. I don't even trespasses. Who's trespassing, you know? But then thankfully, he'd go to another church and they'd say, no, 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 forgive us our debts. That's just a different translation. Forgive us our debts. Those things that somebody owes us. Forgive us our debts, the things that we owe God. Forgive us that. Wipe those clean. As we forgive those who have debts that we have debts against. Okay? He's saying, I want you to forgive as I have forgiven you. I need you to do this. I need you to do this, he's saying. Now, now, why? Why is it so stinking important? Well, I've been thinking through that, and then I, I have this, this little, you can't really see it unless you see it on the camera, but I, I've got this, this little cart here, and I was thinking about it just going, Jesus knows. He knows that, that if this is all the, st- if this is the event, the thing that just hurt you, that, that, that wounded you, that left you disappointed, disillusioned, angry, frustrated. If that's what this is, Jesus knows that, that from that, we can carry a bitterness for that, an anger for that, a frustration for that. We can carry that bitterness. And we learn with enough slack, we learn to go, no, I don't feel that bitterness I don't feel it. But then every once in a while, it gets pulled taut and you just go, why am I dragging that? And that's the bitterness that he knows can be on our hearts. And, and God who so loves us going, I don't want you to live with that bitterness, that anger, that disappointment, that hurt. I don't want you to live with that. In fact, it says in Hebrews, it says, it says see to it that no one misses the grace of God. It always goes back to the foot of the cross. See to it that no one misses that God has canceled our debt and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, he knows roots absorb and roots store. That's what they do. They absorb the nutrients from the soil and they, they, they absorb and they store. And he knows that our hearts have the ability through bitterness and disappointment to store and absorb hurt and anger, and hatred, and revenge. And what it can do is it can form a crust around our hearts. And some of us know that crust is happening and some of us don't, but it forms a crust around our hearts, around, around family, around the church, around ourselves, around a friend, around a neighbor, around a boss, around, it forms a crust around our hearts and Jesus knows that that's happening. Craig Rochelle is a pastor in Oklahoma. He says, love keeps no record of wrongs, but bitterness keeps a detailed account and it forms that crust around it. And he's talking from his own experience. He saw his sister, his, 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 they, they learned years later that his sister was abused by, sexually abused by a friend. And so Craig said that his bitterness and his anger and his frustration were real. And he said he could feel it forming a crust around his heart. And he said he had to lean into Ephesians 4 that says, get rid of all the bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here it is. Here's the key. Use the key. Forgiving each other. Just, again, back to the cross. 
as Christ forgave you. He knows that the, the root of that bitterness can absorb all of that and that can affect your life and you might not even know that it's happening. And so God's saying, I'm giving you a command. I'm not giving you a suggestion. We gotta, we gotta unlock from that bitterness. Now, at the same time, there's another thing that God recognizes. He knows that when something happens to us, it's, it's a weight there's, there's, a, there's a weight that's, that's put on it and, and there's a weight of grief. Anytime that anything happens where there's been betrayal, there's also grief and you feel it. You feel that, that sadness and God's going, I know that that's heavy, that grief is heavy, but grief and bitterness, man, I, let me walk with you in that grief. It's heavy, but grief and bitterness, grief and anger, Grief and disappointment, that's when you start going, man, I can't even move. And for some of us, we're in positions where something has happened to us and you feel so paralyzed that you can't even move. You're just that stuck because that weight is a weight that's too much to bear. And God's saying, let me walk with you in your grief, but will you use the key and unlock the bitterness? Will you release that weight that's on you? See, Jesus wants us to mount up like wings of eagles. He wants us to run and, and not grow weary. He wants us to walk and not grow faint. He wants us to throw off all the things that so easily entangle us and run this race marked out before us. That's why he's saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I don't want you to have to carry the heaviness. And there's some things that, that through that, some of that grief that you're going, I don't know how to deal with that. And that's where God's going, I'm meeting you in that. And our bitterness, he's going, and I've given you a key. Take that weight away. Now, now you might say, and I, I brought this to our, our staff and, and I said, why is it so stinking hard? And I love what some of them said. Chris Lagardo said, he said, the problem is the equation doesn't balance out. There's supposed to be an equal sign. What they've done, for, what do, they've done to me equals what I can do back to them. And he says, this, this concept of forgiveness erases the, the equal sign. And the answer is, yeah, it does. Because it goes back to the cross. And, and all that we have done in turning our back on Jesus, there was, there was an equal sign to that, which would have been a separation from God for all of eternity. But instead he erased the equal sign and said, man, I'm forgiven that. He's going, yeah, the equal sign, it isn't there anymore. He's, but that person owes me and I'm not getting anything back. You know what? No matter how much you want to get repaid, it will never be enough. Think about it. What has been stolen from you will never ever be paid enough. No matter what they would say or do, it's never gonna be enough. But I've already lost once and now you're gonna ask me to lose to this person again? But who's losing right now? As we carry that weight, we're the ones that keep losing. We're the ones that keep holding on to it. We're the ones that keep having those imaginary conversations. 
And you guys, I was... I told you about the argument I had with my brother-in-law that, that last summer and, and, and just, it was just ended really, really in a horrible place. And, and I had those imaginary conversations all fall in, to the point that on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas Eve, I'm in here practicing my Christmas Eve sermon. And in the middle of practicing right here on this stage, I had another imaginary conversation with him. And man, I had a good one that I wanted to tell him. Oh, so good. And I stopped, walked into that front row, grabbed a piece of paper, and I wrote a a letter to him. And just say, will you forgive me? And I forgive you. Man, the imaginary conversations, they start to fall away when you start to go, man, I don't want to keep losing in this. But are you telling me to let them off the hook? Jesus is saying, no, I'm telling you, unhook yourself from that bitterness. But what if I can't forget? I got to forgive and I got to forget, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Forgive and forget? The Bible doesn't say that. We, we just heard someone say it. it was, I don't know, maybe it was Lincoln or maybe it was, uh, what would come up with Kennedy or something. And they said it. I don't know who said it first, but we've all now attributed that to the, to, to the gospel. It's not in scripture that you forget and you forgive. And you forgive and you forget. We might not ever forget but God's still calling us to forgive. I was listening to a woman share, share her, her testimony of, a, of her son that was murdered. And, and in, the, in the court case afterwards, um, in, in that courtroom, she forgave the person that killed her son. And they asked her afterwards why. And she said, you know what? I'll always remember my son, his life, and I'll remember how he died. I'll never forget that. But I'm not gonna carry the weight of how much I would hate this, I'm gonna hate this person. I need to, for, to let that part go and unhook myself from that. And she said, so I, I forgave him. We might not forget. We probably won't forget, but we still can forgive. But I can't see them face to face. For what they've done to me, I can't see them face to face. You might not ever see them face to face. Your forgiveness, it might just be expressed straight to God and just say, God, I'm going to forgive this person. What if you don't see him? What if you don't recognize him? I'm just going to do that. And over time, maybe, that even softens my heart so much. It happened with Craig Rochelle. He said, I just kept saying that to God. I'm going to forgive you. And every time I started having that conversation, Every time I started having that, he said, I'm going, no, I have forgiven that. I have forgiven that. That's what stopped him. And I have forgiven that. And then ultimately in the end, he said it got to the point where his heart was so softened that he actually wrote this letter to this guy that he hated, that he wanted to do all kinds of bad things to. Just saying, I I forgive you. So we might not ever see the person face to face, but we can still start that process of forgiveness. You guys, We can choose to put this key into a drawer. We can say, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to disregard not God's suggestion, but God's command because he cares for us that much. I don't want you to carry the weight. I want you to run freely. Get, strip off the things that entangle you. And I've given you a key to help you, to help you from the things that entangle you. I want to finish this with one last thing. My mom 
and dad were sitting there and they're t- telling me about the things that they, that, they, that they still hold on to. And my mom said I was on a board of, a, of a, one of the most beautiful parks in all of Spokane. And she said, I'm on this board and, I, and, and things went awry and frustrations were there. And she finally just quit. And she said, I can't do it anymore. And she left it. She left with a ton of frustration. And she said, and Billy, she calls me Billy. She says, Billy, she said, I've never been back to that park. The most beautiful park in all of Spokane. And she's never been back. And you guys know that I love bragging about my mom. My mom is, this is, this is my mom. She is, she is the, she is a horticultural consultant. She's a master gardener, but she's, so she was far more than that in Spokane. She was, she was a, on the radio answering questions from people about gardening. She wrote a column in the newspaper. She was on television. She was on the sides of buses in Spokane. I'm in high school. I'm driving down the road and my mom's looking at me from a side of a bus. You know, she, she's, if there was anybody, anybody that deserved and would love to walk through the most beautiful garden in Spokane, it's my mom. She'd be there. Look at the azaleas and look at the gardenias and look at the rhododendrons. She'd be picking them all out. She hasn't been back. Who's hurt by that? Is that board hurt by that? She is. And God's saying, I've given you a key. Forgive and walk through the garden. And that's what he wants for you and me. Use the key and walk through this garden that is God setting up his kingdom with that beauty. Don't let the bitterness be the thing that clouds that. Our grief is there and God wants to walk with us, but don't let the bitterness cloud what God has set out right in front of us. Don't take his suggestion, take his command. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Father, we pray that you would, you would take the, the pain and the hurt. I know we have pain and hurt in this. I know this is difficult. I know these bring up hard stuff, stuff that we've buried for 20 years, stuff that we have going on in our life right now. I know it's hard. God, we pray that you would meet us, not only in the grief of that, but meet us in, the, in, in how difficult it is for us to surrender this. Help us, Lord, to use the key that you've given us and set ourselves free from that pain and bitterness. Help us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing one last song. It's called Death Was Arrested, and it brings us right back to the cross. It is because of what Jesus has done on the cross that we're going to be singing this, that he has forgiven us. Take these, this beautiful truth of what he's done for us. Take that truth and pour it out on other people in our lives. Take the truth of what he's done for us and forgive a debt. You can do it right now. Let's sing one last song together. Let's stand and sing.